0: Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Mumps, the McGill University Medical Podcast Series. I'm Eric and I'm Russ and today we're joined by Matthew Dankner. He's an MD-PhD student in the lab of Dr. Peter Siegel at the Goodman Cancer Research Center at McGill University. He recently published a paper called Dual Map Kinase Inhibition is an effective therapeutic strategy for a subset of class 2 BRAF mutant melanomas in the journal Clinical Cancer Research. So welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks for having me. And congratulations on your paper. It's, uh, it's an excellent
1: read. So Matt, can you tell us a bit about how you initiated the project in the first place? Sure. This project was initiated from a single patient at the McGill University Health Center that presented with metastatic melanoma in the brain whose tumor revealed an interesting mutation in the BRAF gene that prompted us to initiate the study to look at whether approved targeted therapies would be helpful for this patient.
0: Alright, so this mutation that you guys found was what you call a class 2 mutation. Could you just give us a better idea of what these different classes are and and what they mean clinically?
1: So we're talking about different mutations in the BRAF gene which is a commonly mutated gene in Cuban tumors and in particular is mutated in around 50 percent of melanomas. Uh, BRAF mutations are found in a few different flavors. Firstly, we have the class 1 BRAF mutations that are by far the most common uh, BRAF mutations, and these include the most important BRAF V600E mutation that are found in around 90% of the BRAF mutant melanomas. These mutations are special because they predict sensitivity to the approved BRAF and MEK inhibitors that are used routinely in the clinic for advanced melanoma and have done wonders in improving the survival and outcomes of these patients. Uh, These mutations are also special at the biochemical level because they're constitutively activating the BRAF protein and therefore the MAP kinase pathway that they're involved in uh, and also signal in a monomeric fashion meaning they don't need to dimerize with another BRAF or CRAF protein like the wild type BRAF protein does. Then we have the class 2 BRAF mutants that are the ones that we looked at in this paper that are found in around 5% of melanomas uh, and these are similar to the class 1's in that they're also activating mutations, but they're slightly different in that they've been proposed to signal as dimers with other BRAF proteins rather than as monomers. Then we have the class 3 mutants, which are a bit different than the other two classes because they're actually impaired in their kinase activity. Um, But like the class 2 mutants, these do signal as dimers and they still do result in increased activity of the MAP kinase pathway because of improved ability to dimerize and improved ability to bind RAS upstream of them in the pathway.
0: Okay, so when, what I gathered from that is that these class 1 mutations essentially act as a monomer, and they don't really depend on RAS as much, whereas the class 2 um, act more as a dimer, but they also do not depend on RAS signaling as much. That's right. Okay, great.
2: And the other thing is that you mentioned in your study that you make a distinction of the
1: different types of class 2 mutations. Yes, we actually did make a distinction in our study between class 2 mutations. Um, so we, we described two different subgroups within the class 2. The first is what we call class 2A mutations, which are the ones that are found right near the V600E mutation in the activation segment of the protein. And then what we call class 2B mutations, which are found in the P-loop, which is a little bit over in the protein structure. Okay, great. So moving on. Uh, as you said, the goal of your study was to figure
2: out a way that we could design a therapy targeted for this specific patient. So
1: how exactly did you implement this goal in your study? So we used a few different modalities to test this, this hypothesis. Uh, the first is we used a number of different cell lines in vitro that had different classes of BRAF mutations. And we went about treating these different cell lines with the different inhibitors to determine whether or not they were sensitive. Um, and we, through this work, we actually did find that mutations that had, in particular, these class 2A mutations, were sensitive to the approved BRAF inhibitors, similarly to the class 1 mutations, which are already known to respond, that to do really well in the clinic on these inhibitors, while the class 2B mutations were not sensitive to these inhibitors. We then went on to some in vivo studies using patient-derived xenograft models, which you guys have described, I think, in a, in a previous episode of the podcast.
0: Yeah, so our first guest, Paul Savage, who is a co-author on the paper, was also working with PDX models.
1: Yes, we also used some clinical data from a few patients with these class 2 BRAF mutations that responded to combined BRAF and MEK inhibition.
0: Yeah, so um, so talking about that combined BRAF and uh, MEK inhibition, what exactly did you guys find when you added these two drugs together? Um, was there you know, a synergistic effect that you guys saw, or did it not help things?
1: So in our two independent patient-derived xenograft models that we tested that have these class 2 BRAF mutations, we found that the single agents, either BRAF or MEK inhibitors, were not too effective in shrinking these tumors, that at best they really stabilized the disease, but then when we combined the BRAF and MEK inhibitors together, we were actually able to shrink the tumor substantially.
0: Very cool. So this is definitely a novel finding within the field uh, to my understanding, has this been shown before for these class 2 mutations?
1: So there have been a few high-profile papers in some of the big journals like Nature and Cancer Cell that have used some very preliminary in vitro models that actually show the opposite effect to what we found here. But there are actually quite a few of these uh, individual case reports or smaller studies with single patient-derived cell lines that show similar uh, findings to what we found here.
0: Okay, very cool. So. Definitely some promising results, but also room for future research and further testing of this hypothesis and these findings.
2: So
1: what other cancers are the dual MAPK inhibition drugs being used for? On top of melanoma, where these drugs are used very routinely, they're also used in a small percentage of lung cancer patients that have BRAF V600E mutations, as well as in a few other smaller and rarer tumor types that also have these BRAF V600E mutations.
0: Alright, so I want to talk a little bit about um, this combination therapy and why these two drugs work so well together, because I think it's really interesting. Um, Would you
1: mind just touching on that? Sure, so one would imagine that when you combine two drugs together, you would be increasing the risk of of adverse events. But actually with this particular combination, the combination of BRAF and MEK inhibitors, you actually have less side effects than either agent uh, alone. And the reason why this is, is because of the special mechanism of action of the BRAF inhibitors. And the way that these work is through what's called paradoxical activation. So when you have your BRAF uh, mutant cell that signals as a monomer, particularly your V600E, uh, the drug binds to the monomer and therefore shuts down the pathway. While with BRAF dimers that are found in the rest of your body's cells, uh, the drug actually binds to one partner of the dimer and actually activates the other therefore having a complete opposite effect and turning on the pathway. And it's for this reason that when you combine this with a MEK inhibitor, you actually negate a lot of the effect that's seen in your body's normal cells, which is what would cause a lot of the side effects while you're having sort of a double punch on your tumor cells at inhibiting the MAP kinase pathway.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so cool. I kind of feel like a big nerd for saying it, but it's one of those instances where when we have a therapy that works and we really understand the biochemistry It just, it really makes sense.
2: Yeah, awesome. So you
1: told us a lot about your findings, Matt, but could you tell us a bit about the limitations of your study? I would argue that the most important limitation of our study is therapeutic resistance. Uh, This is a very common issue with preclinical and clinical research in cancer right now, particularly with targeted agents. And we saw this firsthand in our mouse experiments where despite our tumors responding extremely well to treatment, they all eventually came back with time. And they adapted uh, different resistance mechanisms that we explored in this paper.
0: Yeah, so like you said, resistance and tumor clinical tumor recurrence are major hurdles in cancer care in pretty much every every area of cancer right now. Um, so, do you mind just touching upon what some of these mechanisms of resistance could be?
1: sure so with some analysis of our of our resistant tumors we actually identified a few different factors that we that we hypothesized could be involved in this phenomenon a few of these involve activation of BRAF's partner which is called CRAF um, as well as activation of a completely different pathway which is called the PI3K pathway and a lot of this uh, seems to be mediated from from the top of the pathway in the form of receptor tyrosine kinases rather than downstream at the BRAF level.
0: Okay, very interesting. So clearly some some things that we don't fully understand yet.
1: And
2: so given the fact that melanoma is such an immunogenic cancer, where immunotherapy is really becoming a very core part of the research, how does
1: your study fit within the realm of, of melanoma treatment and immunotherapy? That's a very good point. Uh, immunotherapy has completely revolutionized the treatment of metastatic melanoma with some of the important drugs including the PD-1 inhibitors such as nivolumab. Um, and right now these drugs are uh, would arguably be tied with MAPK inhibitors for class 1 BRAF mutant tumors as the first-line treatment for metastatic melanoma, where you see with both of these agents uh, roughly the same degree of overall survival. And so in the, in the event of a class one BRAF mutant patient, it's really a toss up and up to the clinician and particular characteristics of the patient, uh, which therapy they wanna use first. But the thing is that in most of these patients, the first line therapy actually won't work. So they will resort to the other in most of these cases. In the case of a class two mutant patient, uh, we would probably say that the targeted, targeted agents are less effective than they are in the class one setting. So certainly immunotherapy is a great option but there are still certain cases, such as the one we presented in the study uh, with the patient GCRC-MEL1, uh, that, that the clinician still opted to treat with targeted therapy in the first line setting uh, to prevent some of the, the morbidities of immunotherapy. Okay, so Matt, do you wanna summarize the key findings of your paper and the future directions moving forward? I would sum up this paper in one sentence by saying that we found that a proportion of melanoma patients that previously were not candidates for targeted therapy, now can possibly be treated with the approved targeted agents that are used in the clinic. The next steps from here would actually be initiating a clinical trial uh, testing BRAF and MEK inhibitor therapy for class two BRAF mutant tumors, and this process is underway, and hopefully we'll begin a clinical trial soon that will begin enrolling patients. Uh, on top of that, at the level of the laboratory, some of the next things we're going to be doing is looking at different inhibitors. Uh, such as t- trying to tackle some of the resistance mechanisms that we found as well as going directly with inhibitors of ERK to, to basically try to suppress some of these resistance mechanisms from occurring.
0: Sounds very promising. And in terms of future directions for you and your career aspirations, uh, your current project, uh, do you want to just give us a little heads up of things that might be coming down the pipeline?
1: Sure. So I'm in McGill's MD-PhD program in the third year out of eight in the program. And so that means I have around two and a half years left in the lab where I'm focusing on brain metastasis, a project that involves making patient-derived xenografts such as the ones that were involved in the the initiation of this study. Um, And beyond that, I'm going to finish my time in the lab, then go back to medical school and then finish my medical training while hopefully uh, continuing to be involved in research in whatever capacity I can.
0: Well, it all sounds very exciting. Um it's going to be great things for you to come, I think. Thank so you. So, thanks thanks again for being on the show, Matt. We greatly appreciated talking about your paper.
2: Thanks, guys. And that wraps up another episode of The Mumps. Thanks for listening today, everyone, and you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, and on the McGill Journal of Medicine homepage. Stay tuned for the upcoming episode. We'll